It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, we're uh, here today on a Wednesday. I've been thinking all day it's Thursday, and then I realize it's Wednesday, and you know what happens? I say, man, I wish it were Thursday because that would mean tomorrow's Friday. Well, Tuesday night game threw me off. And, uh, well, might have thrown off uh, the Pirates, too. Tough uh, deal for them. A lot was made about the four games in six days and the youth of the team. And that's really something to go through. First time that this group's going through that. First time a lot of these guys are going something, uh, going through something like that. But this was a fifth game in eight days, and that's just kind of a brutal stretch to start the season. And credit South Carolina State. I mean, this is not a team that had been very good at all. I mean, they played South Carolina tough, and that's really about it. I- I'd watched them on a couple of games, and not all the way through, but enough to get a feel. And, and it was... To their credit, tough non-conference schedule. Well, no, they have to. And... Uh, their coach, we had a good about 15, 20 minute talk with their coach before the game, Eric Martin, who was Huggy Bear's top assistant for a number of years. And he was, uh, I mean, he came in and inherited a situation. We, you know, you talk about Mike Swartz coming in and inheriting, you know, a, a situation where there's nothing on the schedule and you got to put it together and take what you can get with the dates. Uh, they really have had to do that. And I do think this, uh, Cy said on the broadcast, they're going to get players at South Carolina State. I think that that's they've got a really – I've had South Carolina State's men and women, and now they've got a new AD, and it's an interim, and I don't know what her plans you know, are or what her vision is, but if she were smart, the two coaches she's got in men's and women's basketball are pretty darn good, and you'd keep them and you'd give them as much as you can for them to be successful. But I don't want to – go off on that rant too much by the way ben b baby byron producing the show today hi ben thank you for uh stepping in yesterday fits his hair by the way he needs a haircut <laughs> i need one too he, he no no he's doing the long hair thing though that all the, the kids are doing now you know what like a and he's like no 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 just the the hair everywhere thing oh okay you know brushing it out of his eyes and all that yeah 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 but i mean that's more like a 10 like a preteen, early teen thing, isn't it? That's Vince not, is way too young for this. Yeah, it's not really like a, a, a young toddler or kid type thing. He's around older kids a lot, like in his after school stuff. It's it's. I think it's a bad influence on him. I think it's a That's bad scary. influence on him. That's a scary little deal there. <laughs> it's something, I'll tell you that. That kid's too smart for his own good. We don't watch uh, wrestling, Miss- kid. We watch Jake Paul boxing fights. <laughs> Mississippi is uh, in the house today, too. That's good to see. Hello, Mississippi. Good to see you. Um, so, Ben, I did something that I, you know, rarely, I probably need to do more of in some respects. Okay. But I haven't done it in a while. I went back this morning in between everything else I had to do today. 
probably could have done it at 3.30 when I woke up and just couldn't go back to sleep. Uh, I went and watched the game back. Now, before you go around saying, well, listen to that egomaniac wanting to hear himself on commentary, no, but I do have an ego, yes. But when you have the immense amount of talent I do, well, you probably would have an ego, too. <laughs> Yours would probably be out of control. I know how to keep mine in check. Oh, yeah. I'll your be, ego. I would come in your with a Conor McGregor mink coat. Just yeah. being completely ridiculous. And I don't mean you as in you, Ben. I'm talking to everybody here. Your ego would be out of control if you had the abilities and talents and, and good looks, quite frankly, that I had. But I know how to control my ego. I keep it in check. But I went back and watched that because I just, I was really, you know, for the, for the fourth, fifth, sixth time this year, teams were really making tough shots against ECU, like with hands in the face and, you know, pretty, pretty tough shots in a lot of instances. Turnaround jumpers, guarded, and, mid-range. And well, that, I, I'm glad you bring up guarded because some of that is, you know, again, guys making tough shots, but I really thought as I kind of watched that, I don't think Coach Swartz and company are getting the type of defensive intensity they want. And that's why these guys are getting – to spots on the floor where they could take granted tough shots, but shots that they are probably looking for. And the closeout is aggressive, so there's usually a hand in their face, although there wasn't in a couple of instances last night. But I think it's everything before the shot goes up is what the the staff right now is trying to get this team to buy into defensively. Uh, let's go ahead and do a pirate report and get through some of uh, all of uh, that, some of the sound right now, and uh, some other info that is out there. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Congratulations to Keaton Mitchell, all AAC first team for the second straight year. First pirate since Justin Hardy to do that. No offensive players didn't even get. Hmm? No offensive player no. of the year for Keaton. No. Ugh. No. Uh, Holt Naylor's did not get honorable mention on quarterback. And look, Tough quarterback offensive conference. player of the year, by the way, Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears, the uh, offensive player of the year. Which, I mean, I guess makes sense because he is a really good offensive player on the team that won the conference in the regular season. Fair enough, yeah. That's kind of how all that goes. Um. I'll get into the bowl stuff in just a second. We got Brett McMurphy on from uh, Action Network. He's kind of got some changes afoot since we probably talked to you. I know since we talked to you this morning over on the uh, morning program, but uh, some changes afoot with the bowl situation for sure since Ben was in yesterday hosting the program. Thanks to Ben and Philip for uh, that yesterday. Uh, But uh, Pirate Basketball losing to previously winless South Carolina State, tough one yesterday. And uh, this is Coach Swartz immediately after the loss. Uh, obviously, extremely disappointed, uh, disappointing loss. And like we just talked about as a team, uh, we didn't deserve to win that game. Regardless of what happened at the end of the game in terms of having a chance, you know, we didn't deserve to win that ball game. And, and credit to South Carolina State, you know, they came in and beat us. I don't think South, uh, East Carolina was surprised how effectively South Carolina State shot the ball from three in particular. I think you asked this question, Ben, because they were actually a better two-point percentage team than they they were a horrible three-point and horrible free-throw shooting team. One of the worst in the country. They, 
they made free throws when it counted down the stretch, and they made threes last night. They played above average last night, and that is going to happen. And they came in and got it rolling and spread the floor and did what they needed. Now, they were out of gas at the end of it. Had the game maybe had there been a couple more minutes. i give it another minute or two. Yeah, who knows? But uh, Coach Swartz asked about that. This is what he said. Yeah, someone asked me that yesterday, and I said we have no reason to ever take anyone lightly. And that's three. Ben. Uh, no, I three. don't think we took lightly. Three, not basketball. Th- these are all good players, and we've watched tape on them and seen them. And they've had they're a team that had four or five guys that were averaging between six and ten points, but they had multiple guys go off for double-digit games. They've been on the road. They weren't going to be intimidated. They weren't going to be, you know, uh, at all coming on the road here. And that's just because they've been on the road so much. They've been on the road. They've had every game has been on the road. So they've developed, uh, you know, a thick skin for being on the road. And I think they shot the ball well. I think our defense had something to do with it and not being as aggressive as it needs to be in terms of guarding beyond the three-point line. Uh, but you give them credit. They made shots, and, I, and they'll do it again. They'll make shots again this season. But just because the numbers weren't what they have been tonight, we knew that was a, a good team with some guards that could really score the basketball. Coach Swartz on uh, the Pirates needing to work on transition defense. Yeah, transition defense is always a challenge when you play a team full of guards because they had anybody bring the ball up. They they didn't have the same people taking it out every time. And, you know, that can sometimes cause those mismatches to happen. You know, you end up matching up on different people, but – you know, that's, some, that's basketball. That's what we've played other teams that have done that. But what you give South Carolina State credit for is they got that ball out quick and they pushed it up the floor. And we have to be better in our matchups in, in transition defense. And we'll definitely work on that. Uh, more from Coach Swartz here. Uh, talked about the Pirates' shot selection. You know, we told the guys going into the game that we'd have the opportunity to really play at the rim. So we started the game off really with an emphasis on driving the basketball and throwing the basketball inside. And if you look at it, we got the ball inside quite a bit into Brandon and into Luigi. Uh, It didn't equate always to what we wanted it to. You know, you hope you can pick up some fouls or you hope you can get, you know, some baskets around the rim from your post players. It didn't happen tonight, and there'll be nights that that happens. Then I thought there was a, a junction of the game where we started settling for shots behind the arc. I mean, we took 22 tonight. That's not a ridiculous amount of threes. We've had games where we've taken more. But I thought what happened was instead of keeping our foot down on the gas, driving the basketball, continue to throw it in, we kind of abandoned that for a little bit. And then it came back in the second half, and obviously we were at the rim again. But like I told the guys, once you give a team momentum and you allow them to feel comfortable, I mean, you can't just assume you're going to be able to get it back. And I think, and hopefully if we learn any lesson, that they learned that at least. Uh, and uh, Ezra Ozar, maybe a an opportunity for him to uh, build and a little bit of a breakout. I hope so. I thought he looked uh, really decisive at times. Uh, here is Ezra Ozar, uh, or the Ezra Ozar performance, according to Coach Swartz. Yeah, you know, he did. He got out in transition a lot, and, you know, uh, he, he he gives us a defensive versatility, too. He, you know, he did have a couple coverages. Those are the ones I can live with when a freshman is supposed to be in a switching defense or supposed to execute a certain ball screen coverage, and maybe he missed, you know, he messes up one of those coverages. That's what you can live with with freshmen because you know that's a growth curve that they got to go through. But what 
you can't have happiness, effort, and mistakes. And so, but I, to your point, I think Ezra played really hard on defense. I think he'll learn with some of the mistakes, the coverages-wise, that happened. And I, th- I think he learned that if he runs the floor, he can get out and transition for us. And that was probably where he got most of his baskets. And let's hear from uh, Ezra Ozar now. Uh, he talked about providing a spark off the bench for the Pirates. He did do that last night and in some ways almost single-handedly brought them back. Cut 11. To be real, uh, just getting out of, just getting in the habit of, um, or getting out of bad habits starting at practice, uh, missing layups, things like that. Like uh, always a finishing above the rim. Um, most, I'm just staying humble and hungry. Um, freshman, so mostly I'm just staying hungry and humble. All right, and then uh, Ezra talked about adjusting from the high school game to the uh, D1 level of college hoops. Um, I just take advantage of it. Uh, learn, you know, games I don't play, I still have the energy to support my teammates. And if I don't play, it's all good. I just, you know, I'm a team player first. So if we win, we lose, you know, we, I'm still the same me. No, nothing changed. You know, it's a big difference, but I'm adjusting. Uh, I'm getting better and learning every day. Dude is already a hoss, and when he gets, you know, in like a college weight program, and just really hones and starts working on his game even harder. He's gonna be he's gonna be a load. Uh, it's it, look. There's gonna be nights like this, like last night with a team that is this young. That I mean, a, a first year head coach. Everybody's learning everything right now. Everybody's learning each other. Everybody, you know. I thought it was interesting. Sai said last night that you know, really, Mike Schwartz is figuring out who he can trust, who he can count on in these situations. That is a byproduct of the loss last night. You don't want to lose. I mean, it's embarrassing to get lost. I mean, those guys, you know, those guys have probably been clowned all day on campus, right? I mean, it's just you can't. Well, they were the one of the worst basketball teams in D1 basketball, according to the stats. Oh, record-wise, they were. They didn't play like it last night, but that's, you know. It was pretty bad. That was uh, a bad loss. It wasn't good. That's why you play the game, though, baby. That's why you play the game. Absolutely. This game's not decided on paper. All right. Um, hey, Pirates will have a chance for redemption Friday. Good chance to, I mean, see, look, again, young team. And people will get tired of hearing that, I'm sure. But it's a team that's learning, learning, tough way to learn in a loss like that. And uh, I, I expect them to come out. It, it's going to be tough Friday because Campbell will be fired up. Historically and everything, Campbell's always fired up when they play ECU. And they run that sort of back-cut Princeton offense. It's going to be interesting. They're going to be tough. They're going to be rugged. We'll see. Uh, we've got four tickets to the basketball game. After after that ringing endorsement, how about four tickets to the game on Friday night? Uh, we've got uh, a family four-pack of tickets and a uh, Chico's Mexican Restaurant gift card for you. We'll do caller five here at 252-561-GAME, 252-561-4263. Matt Rule on what happened in Charlotte when we come back. And I'll run through some of the balls. According to a guy named Mark Goodenben, your uh, Mets have emerged as a late suitor for Aaron Judge. I bet you'd let him want him to break in for home run derby coverage then, wouldn't you? Yeah, we ain't getting that guy. We already got that guy. His name's Pete Alonzo. I'm telling you what Mark Gooden is reporting. Mark Gooden's a dummy. 
I don't know who that is, but he's a dummy. He's the Mets he's never the New get York those guys. Mets. He's the New York Mets. Well, wait a minute. Let me give you the credentials of Mark Gooden. Not Mark Goodman from MTV, the original VJ. Mark Gooden. New York Mets beat writer for The Federalist. Isn't that a political publication? Wait, what is that? I, Google, uh, Mississippi, Google what The Federalist is. I read about that in U.S. history. The Federalist. BBWAA Hall of Fame voter. He's a Pulitzer winner. Look at Mississippi. He's just staring. He's not even checking. Pod, red, white, and Mets. Mississippi, check on Twitter. Google the Federalist, Mississippi. Come on. Uh, Mark Gooden, I guess these are his hobbies. Weather, HIPAA, copyright, and graphics expert. That's that. This just sounds awful. Okay. So that's the guy that says your Mets are going to get Aaron Judge, maybe. Your Mets, Benjamin. I don't think Mississippi knows what he's looking for. I don't think. He he pulled up literally the joke I made earlier, the U.S. history version of the Federalist. He pulled up the Federalist papers. I'm like reading the thing about the the Constitution and the Federalist. All right. Uh, Emily from Chocowinity. How about that was our winner? She's on the phone. Emily, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. Congratulations. Thank you. So are you like a listener? Did somebody put you up to call this uh, station? What's going on? Um, I was listening on my way home from work. Ah. May we ask what you do, or can you not tell that? Will you get in trouble if you tell um, us what you yeah, do? Yeah, I work in insurance at a cancer center. Oh, oh really? Okay. Well, good. Well, thank you for listening. That's uh, It's really exciting. It's yeah, very exciting. I'm excited. Thank you. So who are you taking to the game? Who's going with you, Emily? What is this girls' um, night out? What's going on here? Hopefully my son and I think my husband may be working, but hopefully my son and maybe my parents. Oh, okay. Well, good. Are they all from Chocowinity Way? Um, Chocowinity, Blunt's Creek, Washington area. Blunt's Creek. I think I know. I know <laughs> yes, Emily. Sir. I think I might know Emily. I think maybe, maybe right. I, may, I might have her confused <laughs> with somebody else. I may have her confused <laughs> with somebody else. Lunch Creek. You know, my wife's from uh, Bellhaven. Did you know that, Emily? Oh, really? I did. I, she oh, is. I know Bellhaven area, but yes, yeah. I was in. I I was in Bellhaven for Thanksgiving. So oh, okay. I'm keep keeping I hope it you had real. A nice Thanksgiving. It was good. It was good. Bellhaven, Washington. It was good. In and out, baby. In and out. That was the deal. Uh, all right. Well, hey, Emily. Thanks. Uh, do you, is there any? Do you have any sports hot takes you want to bestow upon us, Emily, or, or any questions? We're happy to answer any questions if you have any. In the world of oh, sports, no, I'm good. anything. Thank you. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, enjoy the game. Enjoy the Chicos, and uh, hopefully we'll see you on Friday night. Take care. Drive safe. Okay. Emily. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. See you. Bye. What a sweet lady Emily was. Oh, Nailers deserves honorable mention. Oh, will you stop, man? No, Emily did not say that. That was her hot take. She just told me. Is that? No, it was not. You're trying to. You're trying to. You're trying to insult Emily, which I don't appreciate. I'm trying to insult nobody. And then you're trying to make some. You're trying to stir some waves, is what you're trying to do. You're trying to stir the calm seas, is what you're trying to do. Oh, Nailers, hot takery. It should have been honorable mention.
Michael Pratt and you believe uh, that? Oh. You seriously believe that? He had the second most passing yards this year in the league, Ben. Okay. He hadn't had any turnovers in six weeks. I, that's fair. That's all right. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying it's a great argument because I mean Pratt and uh, my guy at Houston, Clayton Tune. Tune. How could I forget that? I'd probably, I'd just as soon to, I, I, I was on the field all day watching that. I, I'd just as soon forget. <laughs> but uh, Tune and Pratt are the, are the I, I mean, I think it's fair to say the best two. I, I think Holton had a great year, but it's hard to give him the nod over a uh, John Reese Plumley or somebody of that caliber. I don't know about that because he beat, he beat Plumley's team and Plumley didn't look great. I, Holton's had some bad games too, though. Holton's had some. Yeah, but they were er, but they were early well. on though, Ben. Now he did play well against Houston, but I mean, other than that, all his what you would consider bad games, I think, were earlier in the in the year. Um, our boy Zoke, by the way, uh, we're not going to have him this week, but uh, Zoke got uh, he's a, he's among the of the finalists. I'm always asked to join this. And I never have the the sportscaster of the year deal where they have all the so and so's the sportscaster of the year kind of thing, and uh, it's amazing. Uh, but Zoke's among the finalists. Amazing, some of the other people that are among the, the finalists too. It's kind of like e. Um, somebody I would know. Somebody keeps talking. Oh no, soccer. they're all. I mean, it's all the. It's all the. No, no. It's the, this is a soccer free zone. If I've not declared that. It's because that's how soccer-free we were going to be on this Thank show. God. I wasn't even going to declare it and bring it up. I mean, it's just, it's insane. All right. Um, so we're going to talk to Brett McMurphy, the bowl stuff. It's, it's kind of, as I understand it, I guess Fenway is really interested in Cincinnati, and they're going to be able to, to, in the order of selection, pick Cincinnati. And that seems to be the indication. Syracuse wants to go there as well. They're lobbying for it. So I think that's that's your matchup there. Um, as I understand it, we're going to get Brett McMurphy to clarify some of this. Well, as I understand it, there's no slot because the SEC's filled all their slots. So your winner goes to the Cotton Bowl of the conference championship game based on the college football playoff rankings last night. And your um, runner-up, and we'll get Brett to maybe clarify some of this. As I understand it, the runner-up, Annapolis chooses the runner-up. So McMurphy's got the Pirates going to Myrtle. But, see, I the only reason I think that's a possibility is, from what I understand... The, you know, the, 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 they really, ECU wants to play in Florida and they want to, they want to kind of have one of those earlier bowl games is again, kind of, as I understand it. And with military being after Christmas, I mean, John Gilbert, Ben, remember that he kind of said as much in the interview that we did with him in the final uh, pregame show. That, you know, if, we, if we're if we playing after Christmas, well, obviously you want to play in any bowl. You'll play in a high-profile bowl. But there's a lot of added expense because you're sending guys home for the for a Christmas break and then you're bringing them back. Them back yeah. and you got to feed them. you got to house them. I mean, all that, that's, that's real money. And then that doesn't even count going to the bowl. So 
I mean, from a budgetary standpoint, the Myrtle Beach thing is the bet. You know, now we'll see who Brett's got him playing, but 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 I, I do know this: it's really other than what's emerging up in Boston with the possibility of Cincinnati there. There's no. There's, I mean, there's one of any handful of options. Now, Ben, you've been following this religiously and posting about it on the website. So what what do you got to add? Well, yesterday uh, it was released, and there was a pretty valid report by Syracuse's local newspaper that um, Syracuse does not want to participate in the Fenway Bowl because it's around their exam schedule. It's really the day after oh, they, they finish don't. exams. They don't want to be in the okay. Fenway Bowl. Oh, okay. They're they're like I straight up refusing. Did. And the way I understand it is that the conferences ah. kind of consult with these bowl commissioners or these bowl kind of head of bowl yeah. games or whatever, and they talk right. to their conference members and I explain to their conference member what the deal is, what bowl games are getting, when inv- when invites are getting, and uh, they can consult with their members and uh, based on their members' feedback, um, they can vote against certain bowl games they want to play in. So. Syracuse, this is not out of the ordinary for a team to say, hey, I don't want to play in this bowl game. It's not them being divas or whatnot. I mean, apparently this is a pretty right. normal, casual Well, the drawback thing. to the the bowl in Boston is it is in three weeks. And it's cold. Might snow. <laughs> and <yeah. laughs> Well, that's a drawback, too, that it's going to be 20 degrees. And, and if you're from the southeast. could be two feet of snow on the ground. If you're from the yeah. southeast, I mean, you're not probably going to get a lot of fans to travel up there and – Right around Christmas. I, I think a lot of – well, I think it's far enough out. I think people would go to Boston. I think that's one that people would go to. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I think the Florida, Gasparilla in particular, is one that there's a real want to go to. The, the We'll see. I see, mean, there's, there's any of a handful. What's weird is I haven't seen anybody project the Gasparilla Bowl since maybe like a week or two ago nobody projected it this week so i wonder if that's changed since all these new developments came out because i know mcmurphy um as we're about to find out kind of changed things around so i want to see if anybody else did they've updated it so speaking of an update here's ben 94.3 the game sports update and then uh brett mcmurphy with the action network you know why we like the action network because not only do they give you bowl projections, but they also put the lines when they give you the bowl projections. ECU Syracuse was dead even on the spread. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. I, I think that's awesome, and they do it for every game that you know Brett forecasts. And look, Joe Gillio. You know I love Gillio. He's the he's the the greater Joe in that equation, and you know he he is he's the guy that said look. This is the guy that is connected, McMurphy. He knows because he's in constant contact. He's talking to hundreds of people, and he's still got time to come up. By the way, we're going to have Jerry Palm on tomorrow. That's huge. Love Jerry Palm. Jerry on uh, CBS does their bowl projections, and, of course, he does his own bracketology. So we'll talk some bowl forecasts with Jerry Palm, and we'll talk some uh, hoops with Jerry Palm tomorrow. I'm looking forward to having Jerry on. That's back-to-back heavy hitters right there. McMurphy and Palm, national media guys. Guys that actually have bylines that you've heard of as national media guys. Yeah. Like guys that write for DuckSnort.net uh, or whatever. Their hobbies aren't All weather right, uh, and, and HIPAA. <laughs> what, I don't even know what that means. Weather what and bizarre, HIPAA. What a, what a bizarre hobby. HIPAA. My hobby is HIPAA. That's the guy reporting that your Mets are going to get Aaron Judge. Some guy whose hobby 
is is HIPAA did, expertise. Did you get fooled by like a parody account that bought a check mark? No, <laughs> I I looked at it. He bought a check mark. Look, there is plenty of buying check marks going around, particularly on ECU Twitter. There is a ton of people buying check marks that want to believe that their 2,000 followers legitimize them. It is sad. All right, here is uh, Ben B-Baby. I'm punchy. I'm tired. You can't take anything I'm saying today. Don't take it personal. I'm, I'm just a little punchy today. It's been a long day. I was out in the cold. It was cold to me today. Was it just me or was it cold today? It would like be hot one minute and cold the next. It was raining and I was out and all that today and I'm just I'm I will say you stayed up pretty late last night, later than normal. I know I stayed up late after that yes. game. Yes. So. Yes, I did stay up later than normal. All right, here is uh our Ben Byram with a sports update, and then when we get back, we're gonna have uh Brett McMurphy from the Action Network. Brett McMurphy uh will be uh joining us on the phone right now. Here's Ben. Thanks, Patrick. ECU basketball suffers their third loss of the season after falling to the previously winless South Carolina State Bulldogs 73-68. to The loss snapped an 18-game non-conference home winning streak for the Pirates. One of the lone bright spots for the Pirates was freshman forward Ezra Ozar, who came off the bench and was the team's leading scorer and rebounder with 18 points and 7 rebounds. Ezra remained humble about his performance after the game. To be real, uh, just getting out of, just getting in the habit of, um, well, getting out of bad habits, starting that practice, uh, missing layups, things like that. Like uh, always finishing above the rim. Um, most, I'm just staying humble and hungry. Um, freshman, so mostly I'm just staying hungry and humble. Pirate basketball back in action this Friday at Minji's Coliseum as they host the 4-3 and three Campbell Fighting Camels at 7 o'clock. You can hear live play-by-play coverage beginning at 6.30 right here on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates, 94-3 the game. And at 7, you can watch all the action on ESPN Plus with Pastor Johnson and Cy Seymour on the call. The American released their 2022 season conference honors, and a few Pirates were honored running back Keith Mitchell was named to the All-AAC first team, while C.J. Johnson and Malik Fleming were named to the All-AAC second team. Wide receiver Isaiah Winstead was named to the honorable mention list. ECU quarterback Ryan Stubblefield announced on his Twitter earlier today that he's officially entering the transfer portal. Stubblefield was a highly touted prospect out of the Houston area and mostly took scout team reps with the Pirates. ECU wins basketball tipping off tonight in Fairfax, Virginia, as they host George Ma- or they take on George Mason at 7 o'clock. And sad to announce the passing of legendary Pitt County coach Cobby Deans. Deans was inducted into the North Carolina High School Athletic Association Hall of Fame in 2019. Deans was the highly successful boys and girls basketball coach at Bethel, North Pitt, and D.H. Conley High Schools. At North Pitt, he got the girls team to the 1971-1972 Open Classification State Championship. And in 1990, he led Conley to a 3A Boys Championship. That's going to do it for your 94 Through the Game Sports Update. I'm Ben Barham. This 94 Through the Game Sports Update is brought to you by Team Boneyard, an NIL initiative directly supporting Pirate student-athletes. For more information on how to donate, go to teamboneyard.org. On the other side, Action Network's Brett McMurphy. 94.3 The Game. All right, it is uh, Patrick Johnson's show. That's me. He's Brett McMurphy. He's with us from the Action Network. We'll get his bold projections uh, involving the Pirates and more right now. Talk some college ball with... uh, 
Joe Giglio says this is the guy to follow for all the uh, projections with the Bulls. It's Brett McMurphy back on the Patrick Johnson Show. If Giglio says it, you take it to the bank. That's what I've learned in life, uh, Brett. Uh, Brett now at the Action Network, and he's back on the program with us. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. And Joe's an incredible guy, and I, I sent him a, a message uh, the other day. I said, I'm so sad that I don't get to see his uh, <laughs> yellow legal yellow legal pad uh, thoughts because I thought that was really cool. Yeah. You need to do. But, yeah, Joe's awesome, man, but I appreciate it. Joe's a big radio star now. You know us radio guys. I mean, we're just, you know, major stars. Yeah, I know. I, I was I was actually surprised he responded to me. I figured <laughs> with all the all the fan fan texts and DMs he gets, uh, yeah. you know, since he's a big radio star, why would he bother with little of me? So yeah, yeah. I was very, very honored and I've got it uh actually printed the response and I have it here hanging <laughs> in my office. Here's what we love about uh Brett McMurphy uh bowl projections for action network. You put the line in there. And, of course, in North Carolina, we haven't gotten with it yet. We're, we haven't we tried, but we haven't legalized sports gambling yet. Hope we will in the beginning of the year. But for entertainment purposes only, it's just great that that is that you include that in there. That's so cool. Well, it's something different. And, you know, obviously gambling is becoming a bigger part of it. And it's, you know, it's just, you know, it's uh you know if you're into that fine if you're not fine but it's it i also think it's cool because it shows you know how competitive these games may or may not be obviously you know we won't know till sunday if they're official but um you know it's just something a little different and we like to do it and you know glad to hear that uh that you enjoy it yeah that's no, very cool brett mcmurphy with this action network uh at brett two t's underscore mcmurphy on uh, twitter follow uh, him there uh, he's one of the uh, many, many uh, that we cite as far as bowl projections uh, in the uh, stuff that our staff does and uh, kind of organizing it and, and being a clearinghouse for it on our website. Hey, uh, let's let's start with uh, let's start with East Carolina in our backyard here. Uh, you you have them pegged for the Fenway Bowl would actually be the first time they play. I guess where do you, you know as you're as you're doing this? I'm sure it's a little bit of sources that you're working and. And maybe some logic that you apply, but uh, what's leading you to it could be Syracuse ECU in the Fenway? Uh, actually, those are changing. Okay, <laughs> well, as, we, yeah, uh, as we, we speak, we've talked about some of that, and that seems to be the case. But uh, that was the last I saw. So, what, what is the what is the hot off the press? Then let's start there. Hot off the press is um, actually I've got, and again, this isn't hundred percent. I've actually got. East Carolina pegged to the um, Myrtle Beach Bowl. Okay. Um, instead of Fenway. I think um, I've got them playing Marshall in Myrtle Beach. Ooh, there you go. So um, that right now as we speak, uh, the second we're done talking, that could change. I literally had these done at 2 a.m. last night. And <laughs> this morning I've already got different people telling me they've heard different things. So then I'm moving moving everything around. If, if you guys have ever done a Rubik's cube and I never have done one successfully, right. That basically is doing bowl projections because when you move one team, then it impacts probably like four or five others. Well, I think it's important to note when, I mean, you've been around this a long time, so, you know, the balls and mainly, you know, ESPN who's controlling all of this now from the television standpoint, generally, what are the balls looking for? That's kind of changed a little bit over the years, I guess, hasn't it? 
I mean, it 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 depends on the bowl, the size of the bowl. Um, some bowls are more into being a regional matchup and get as many people to the game and in the stands and in hotel rooms as they can. Other games aren't that bit, you know, aren't that reliant on um, on fans coming in. Their community source supports the bowl, so they may look for a better TV name, maybe better TV um, rating. So it's kind of you know, it depends on each one. Obviously, you want to, the more wins. You, you certainly want a nine-win team over six and six. But uh, you know, it is uh, ESPN controls a lot of it under the New Year six and below. So yeah, it's there's a number of factors that go into play. So you have the Pirates in Myrtle again as of right now. Could change. Uh, what is the line with ECU and Marshall? Because Marshall's uh, got an eight-win football team. They're really good. Yeah, I think. I think ECU um, is a four to five point favorite. Okay. Wow. All right. There you go. Well, that is, um, it'd be a heck of a game. They played a heck of a ball game, you know, a generation ago uh, with uh, the big comeback in what was uh, maybe the beginning of the end for Steve Logan and uh, that David Garrard and Byron Leftwich duel. It was a wild game. I think it might, if it wasn't the first Mobile Bowl, it was one of the first ones. And then, um, or that was the GMAC Bowl. And then, of course, obviously the history of uh, 50 years between the two programs and, and Marshall and the, the plane, uh, the aviation disaster. So right. a lot of history there. Um, how, let's, let's talk a little bit about UNC and, uh, and State. Where, where do you have them pegged right now, NC State, North Carolina? Right. So this is the biggest change in my projections that will be up. At some point Wednesday at ActionNetwork.com, I'm actually projecting Penn State into the Rose Bowl. And I think the Rose Bowl takes Penn State instead of Ohio State mm-hmm. because Ohio State would have been there three of the last five years. So right. what what's that has to do with Carolina and NC State? Right. Why that why that impacts them is if Ohio State goes to the Orange Bowl, then the ReliaQuest, which is the former Outback Bowl, gets to choose an ACC team. They would take Notre Dame. Of course. So that means everybody moves up a spot. Okay. I Right now, I've got Carolina, assuming they're going to lose Clemson, going out west to play in the Holiday Bowl hmm. against Oregon. Very good matchup. Uh, so now, with Notre Dame out of the picture, the Gator Bowl would open up. Okay. NC State has been there pretty recently, so I put moved Pitt, jumped Pitt up there. And right now I've got NC State in the uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl. Okay. Yeah, that seems but to be the, if, the smart money and the consensus, and I, and I think you maybe even have had it yeah. a couple times. So if Ohio, but if, if Ohio State goes to the Rose Bowl or goes to the college football playoff, um, that that could change Carolina and NC State. I don't think it will. I think Carolina is locked into the holiday because the, the group of bowls they're with, the Cheese and the Gator, mm-hmm. um, I think they're set on – a combination of either Florida State or Notre Dame. Right. So it appears, you know, Carolina would go to the holiday. Or, hey, beat Clemson and you can play Ohio State in the Orange Bowl. Well, there you go. Um, how do you have that ACC championship game, uh, Clemson and uh, UNC in in Charlotte? What do you what do you see on that? What's Action Network calling as far as the line, that sort of thing? I've, Clemson's about an eight-point favorite. Um, you know, I think, you know, Clemson is – has struggled. They're not, they're not the Clemson of old, uh, you know, North Carolina, you know, has had such 
you know, a good season. And then here at the end, they're kind of sputtering across the finish line. Um, I still remember being at ACC Media Days and, and Mac Brown, somebody asked uh, Mac Brown about being, um, I think they said, how do you feel to be criminally underrated this year? And he said, <laughs> that's great because last year we were criminally, criminally overrated. Um, so, yeah, they've had a, you know, they've bounced back and had a great season, but certainly, um, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm sure you guys talk about it on a frequent basis. You know, what exact, what exactly has happened here the last couple of weeks? But, um, you know, North Carolina obviously would be, would be a huge, um, bowl team. And, you know, I, I, of all the bowl projections I've got out there, I mean, Carolina and Oregon and the hall in San Diego. Crazy game. uh, Oh, that would be incredible. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, doesn't mean they can't beat Clemson. Um, Clemson's a favorite for a reason, but as you as you know, anything can happen happen any game. Action Network's Brett McMurphy with us here. Uh, back to the American and uh, Tulane, Willie Fritz staying, which uh, I think was a little surprising. Maybe get your take on that and, and UCF. How do you see that one playing out? Well, it's the fact that that Willie Fritz is staying, I think it's huge because we saw last week with the Liberty going to New Mexico State and just getting steel club by New Mexico State when the board got out that Hugh Freeze was going to Auburn. The yeah. team just quit on him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could have happened at Tulane, but he's staying. Um, for whatever reason, it didn't get didn't, didn't get worked out at Georgia Tech. I think, I think UCF, has already beat him. I think I would like Tulane in this game because, you know, UCF looked really shaky against USF and they had major issues offensively. Um, you know, they've got their quarterbacks, they're rotating, you know, I don't know yeah. who they're going to have a quarterback. Yeah. Tulane's just been so solid all year. Um, you know, this is, they get them at home. It's a huge spot for Tulane. I just think Tulane uh, with Michael Pratt at quarterback, I think their defense is stronger. Um, I, I would pick Tulane, and then they would end up going to the, going to the Cotton Bowl. Um, probably get to play Tennessee, which will be will be a good game even without Hendon Hooker playing. Yeah, yeah, and um, no, Michael Pratt's dynamite. Uh, probably, I would I would guess would be going pro uh, after after this season. Uh, he, he's really good. Uh, and you're right. Uh, we saw that in Greenville with uh, UCF. I mean, offensively, they can get bogged down at times, and uh, and that's kind of what happened to them in the ECU loss. So, uh, all right, so Tulane on to the New Year's Six. Where would you have UCF going? Um, the loser of Tulane, UCF, looks like they're headed to the military bowl. Okay. And so it doesn't matter who wins or loses. The winner goes to the cotton. The loser goes to the military. Gotcha. What about, uh, is Birmingham in play or, or not really for any of the uh, American teams? I don't, I don't think so. With the SEC, what you've got is their last two bowls are together, and that's right. Birmingham and Gasparilla. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're probably going to get a six-win team there. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like a Missouri is the most likely candidate. So um, I don't think American would be able to to get in that game. Um, 
an American team is going to go the independent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that looks, um, again, maybe Houston. Um, I'm told Memphis may be headed to one of the Dallas Bowls. Gotcha. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I don't think Birmingham's in the cards this year for, so, for so, any of these uh, American teams. Uh, we've got Brett McMurphy, Action Network, uh, talking ball projections, talking college football. He's the Action Network's uh, college football insider. With um, with with uh, Fenway, is it Cincinnati now that seems like that's their likely destination? Yeah, you're right. Um, since you know, obviously, the my old projection out of East Carolina, I've I've been told Cincinnati looks like they're pretty well locked into to Fenway. Um, the thing is, you know, I talk to a million people when I do this. And, you know, nobody intentionally gives me bad information. Right, right. But, yeah. but, liter- but literally, literally what happens is from Friday to Sunday, you have teams, you know, changing destinations before they're officially announced. I mean, it was a couple of years ago where everyone that I talked to, including multiple people in the SEC, had Tennessee going to a specific bowl. And literally 10 minutes before they announced, officially announced them, Tennessee switched and, and went to another bowl and which impacted a number of teams. So, um, you know, it is tricky. You, you kind of think you have this lined up and then, then there's a change and then it's, you know, domino effect. But, uh, yeah, as far as the American, I, I obviously the winner to the cotton feel pretty good about military and Fenway. Mm-hmm. And, um, for now it looks like, you know, ECU's to, to Myrtle and I, Earlier in the year, I, I projected them there against Coastal. Yeah, um, a lot of weeks, um, but I still think they're there. But I think Marshall is probably going to be on the other side. What about? Uh, I'm, I'm going to get some some grief from a from both of the fans of Duke football and Wake. We they actually listen to the show. Uh, I kid, of course, uh, about the number. It's it's less than that. I'm joking. But uh, let, let me ask you about uh, Duke and Wake. Where do you have them headed as of now? Yeah, actually. Um, Duke looks like initially I had Duke going to the military, but with the, you know, Notre Dame moving out of right. the ACC lineup and going to the Outback, I think now Duke goes to the Sun Bowl and Wake Forest goes to the military. Gotcha. If, if Notre Dame, excuse me, if a big 10 team does not go to the orange bowl, I know this is getting confusing. <laughs> um, then then Duke, Duke would not go to the Sun Bowl. Duke would likely go to the military, and then Wake Forest could end up in Gasparilla. Yeah, in Tampa. Brett, who do you have right now in in the the playoff? And, and if you want to maybe start with the two six and five who don't make it, as of right now, what are you projecting there? Well, here's my my thing, and again, it's you and you. You said it perfectly. Who do I have? Well, I'm not on the committee, so right? No, I, yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah, but no, it's a it's a beauty contest. So we can sit here and have a, a conversation for an hour and come up with the four best teams, and then those thirteen men and women go in a room and come out, and they've got a whole different lineup. That's just how it is. That's what's so frustrating to people. My biggest thing is because the number five and number six teams did not win their division, did not win their conference. I don't think they should jump ahead of any of the top four teams, mm-hmm. even if those top four teams lose. Now, if any of those top four teams lose by four touchdowns and they're not competitive, 
then maybe we can have that conversation. But oh, by the way, the number five team that everybody wants to move up if somebody above them loses, lost by almost three touchdowns at home in their biggest game of the year last week. They weren't, it wasn't six months ago. It wasn't six weeks ago. It was last week. Right. So why now are we going to forget that Ohio State just got steel club by Michigan and put them up because TCU may lose to Kansas State, by the way, a team they already beat. Or, you know, USC may lose to a Utah team that they lost by one on the road on a last second two-point conversion. So, you know, if we didn't, Put it this way: If we didn't have conference championships, would there be any argument to put Ohio State in the playoff? No, there yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. So why are we going to penalize these guys for playing an extra game? And if they lose those games, if there was a team at five or six that could win a conference championship, and one of the top four lost and didn't win their championship, then I could, I, I could have, you know. I think that's reasonable to say, okay, they should jump into the top four. But because they didn't win a championship, I don't think you just simply put them up because that team lost a game. Um, so, you know, I know everyone's going to spin it. They won intrigue and suspense or whatever. Obviously, it's all four win. They're all four in. I, I really believe unless no, – as long as nobody doesn't get blown out, I think it'll be the top four. Now, maybe the seedings juggle around a little bit, depending on who loses. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't see how you drop those guys out. I really don't. But again, doesn't matter what I think. It's the, it's the, the thirteen people, uh, you know, in, in the room, if you will. The judges of the beauty contest is what it uh, comes down to. Absolutely. And you have new judges every year. They think differently. Uh, Real quick, again, we appreciate your time. I know there's a gazillion things going on. When you look at, uh, you know, this week with the coaching changes or the season with all of the, the, uh, you know, big tectonic kind of shifts with uh, the the Pac-12 and the the Big Ten, what's the kind of big story overarching for the season in your mind? And then what's the big story out of this week with any coaching moves, in your opinion? Uh, well, we could have had mass chaos in the SEC. You know, Kiffin could have gone to Auburn. There were rumors that Mike Leach may not return at Mississippi State if, if they didn't beat Ole Miss. Um, you know, Auburn's Auburn. <laughs> um, and, but that actually, you know, that kind of uh, was kind of calm, uh, at, least, at least on, you know, usual SEC coaching change levels. What I'm fascinated with is to see what happens with Deion Sanders. Yeah. He interviewed, he interviewed with USF in Colorado. And I really believe he, you know, he would prefer to have been at one of those SEC schools, but nothing opened up. So he's got an offer from Colorado. Does he take that? Um, You know, look, He's going to get players no matter where he goes. But I think that's the one that's going to be the most fascinating. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I know, you know, if I have to, if I have to interrupt our interview and take a call, I apologize. But it, being a former, you know, ESPN talking head <laughs> and seeing that Jeff Saturday's in the NFL and Trent Dilfer's going to UAB, <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for my phone to, to ring and see what offer I get. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, wild stuff. Uh, the Dilfer news breaking last night. That that really is crazy. Uh, what is real quick before we let you go? What is you you mentioned South Florida? Where do they go eventually? It, it tough job in some ways. I think playing in the Buck Stadium hampers them. I know there's an effort to try to get an on campus facility. Where do you see that going? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I mean, I think Dion would have been an incredible hire. Oh, I think he would be. Right now, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I live in Tampa. I used to cover USF. Yeah, USF, unfortunately, and I hate to say this, they're irrelevant. They they got, you know, they've got left in the dust by UCF. They're stuck in the American. Um, You know, if you're not in a Power Five, it's very challenging uh, to compete against those guys. And that's why East Carolina and everybody else is trying to get into a Power Five league. Um, Dion would have raised, you know, the bar tremendously. There's only one guy doing those commercials with Nick Saban. Um, <laughs> with that, with him not, with him not being there, you know, I, you know, there's a number of people they could go after. Maybe some sitting group of five guys, maybe some coordinators. Um, it's power five level, but it's not going to move the needle. It doesn't mean those guys won't win, but they're not going to get that instant, you know, instant bang that they would have with the Dion. So I, I think you'll see a lot of these openings probably, probably fill up after, um, after the conference championships this weekend. Um, but yeah, it'll be, I'm interested to see which way they go. Um, because they've got to turn it around. They've, they've, um, you know, I tweeted this the other day, uh, since 2018, UCF has, is five and O in USF's home stadium. They've actually won three games against USF, and then they've won two bowl games mm-hmm. in the stadium. Yeah, in that same time frame against FBS opponents, USF is two and nineteen. So they need to make a drastic turnaround because it wasn't that long ago that everyone thought USF was in great position to maybe move on to bigger and better things, but they have struggled and had some rough times at the worst of times when you've seen all these these realignment moves and, and, and shifts within college football. Brett, always great to talk to you. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, we really do appreciate it, and uh, we'll keep uh, keep our eyes on the bowl projections through Action Network. You got it. Thanks, buddy. All right, Brett McMurphy. If you want to hear the entire Brett McMurphy interview, we'll have it posted on the podcast in its entirety. Uh, Mississippi and Ben will get that set up for you, so check out 943thegame.com. Thanks to Brett McMurphy for being on today. Uh, tomorrow, Jerry Palm, CBS Sports, will get his idea of what the Pirates are going to be uh, doing bowl-wise. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to Mississippi. And we will catch you tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show and then tomorrow morning on Talk of the Town over on 103.7 from 7 until 9. Have a good e- – we didn't even get to the Matt Rule stuff today. Eh, maybe tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.